What's going on? It's your boy Mixman to be here live from the MMB Radio Studios or the MMB Radio Podcast, where no topic is too big or too small. We talk about them all. And on the phone lines right now, I want to welcome in a woman who is a woman of all traits. Not only is she a published author, she's a published swimsuit model, and she's a personal trainer, a sponsored athlete. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And I know she's probably going to tell you is that she doesn't want all that attention. But, I mean, fact of the matter is she does all this stuff. And we're going to talk to her tonight. So I want to welcome in Alicia Rigg. Alicia, what's going on? Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited about talking with you. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I just – I had mentioned a jack of all trades. Like, that's, that's uh, a pretty uh, – extensive like work title that you have going there a jack of all trades master at nothing <laughs> well that's what i tell people i do for a living so you know but no seriously there's a that's a that's a lie and we're going to talk a bit about yourself tonight and i know it feels a little weird talking about yourself people come in and they're talking and they're like I feel kind of weird talking about myself but i mean you've accomplished a lot so it's only right that we give kudos to Thanks. someone who's accomplished so much great things. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Not a problem. So um, I guess, well, I mean, we'll just go right down the list here. So, um, you know, you are originally from where? Texas, South Texas. Okay. So originally from the Lone Star State. But, yeah. I mean, everything's bigger in Texas, they say, right? And they are. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, I guess if you're, if you're going to be somebody, you might as well be, you know, somebody big in texas and um so you've lived in texas your entire life no i was born here mm-hmm. and then i traveled and moved and lived all over the world oh. my dad was a military he was in the navy okay and then uh when he retired he came back to dallas and uh, i spent my last two three years here almost four years of high school and then i was like there's got to be more to this world than texas and so I left and went to Hawaii for college. Okay. And then from there on, I went all over the world. Now, when you were in away in college in Hawaii, what were you studying? Um, I was doing my general basic things until I figured out what I was going to do. But I ended up with a business degree. Okay. And then I started um, my master's degree in finance. But I never finished that. Because um, I was married to a Marine, and uh, during the Iraq War, um, Operation Iron Fist, his sniper platoon got blown up, and one died, and uh, the other came home. But they had just gotten to Iraq, so um, they couldn't go home. They had to come back to the base that uh, we were stationed at, and their parents and their family members came, but they couldn't stay long, you know, because they had to go home and take care of life, and so the Marines were there, and they had nobody to take them back and forth to their doctor, so I stopped going to graduate school and took care of these Marines until uh, their their battalion got home, so I never finished it, Wow. and now I think it's probably too late to go finish it. <laughs> well, it's never too late to finish anything, but first let me say, you know, thank you for, you know, what you've done, you know, I mean, it, it takes a, I tell people all the time when I, I thank people for their services and I tell them, you know, thank you for your service, you know, if it's a veteran or active and everything, but, it's, but I also make sure I thank their family as well, you know, because a lot of people don't understand that when you are married to someone who's in the service that, um, 
it's a family thing. You know, there's a lot of sacrifices that, you know, wives and girlfriends and fiancés and mothers of veterans, uh, you know, children, stuff like that have to go through. So, uh, you know, thank you for, you know, putting aside, you know, your education to do, you know, the betterment of uh, our country. You're welcome. It was my honor. So, um, and, you know, and if everybody who is looking through your Instagram and, you know, a big presence on social media and they see, again, that you're doing all these different things, you know, different photos. I mean, we you just scroll through here. I mean, we got pictures of you with, you know, uh, skydiving and, you know, and then all this like weight training. And we got you, you know, doing all kinds of like crazy stuff. Um, so when you were in college, <laughs> when did someone approach you and say, you know, hey, you, you know, you should be, you know, doing modeling work? Or was that something you were even thinking about doing or that that's just something that just kind of landed in your lap? Well, when I was 15, um, I was my parents were divorced and I was visiting my mom in California and San Francisco. And there was an agency that wanted me to come to them and become one of their clients, but I couldn't because I was living in Texas. And so when I was 19 and I went to college, I had a photographer approach me to do a swimsuit calendar. But my mom would, I, by that time I reunited with my mom and she was like, you're in college, you can't be doing that. So I ended up not doing the calendar. And then I had another uh, agency approached me and they wanted me to go to New York and find an agent with them. And again, because I'm half a Vietnamese, Asian moms are like, no, education, education, education. So I, I didn't go do that. And um, then it wasn't until, and then I just thought I was done and over. Like it, it was like too late to do it. And then I went through my divorce and I, I fell rock bottom. And so, um, finally I decided I can't be rock bottom. Like, this is not how I want to live anymore or for my kids. So I decided to go to the gym and then I ended up be, like setting a goal. And my goal was, okay, I'm going to become, I want to do a bodybuilding competition. So I did that and then I got really fit. And then I did a shoot, um, with this team that I had joined, the bodybuilding team. And then from then on, like different people just started asking me, Hey, can I shoot you? And I was like, um, okay. I didn't know. You know, I didn't have an agent. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know how to pose. And so, like, even now still, I like a photographer to give me direction so that I know I can give them what they want, you know, because they, you know, they're artists. They see things a certain way in their head. And it helps me. But um, that's how I ended up in modeling. And so um, in my book that I wrote, I talk about how, because I'm a very strong Christian woman, about how even though I thought that all my dreams were gone and over and dead and I was too old and I didn't have all these uh, advantages or opportunities, um, according to the Bible, God said he will give you beauty for ashes and he'll repay you. And he brought back all the dreams that I did, you know, I'd forgotten and let go. And he made them come to pass. And it was like blowing my mind because I was like, um, it was like a twofold thing. It was helping me through right after my divorce because my divorce sent me rock bottom in every sense. It was um, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, everything. I had no self-esteem. I had nothing. And then for people to come out of the woodwork and be like, hey, I want to shoot you. I was like, 
like, what is going on? And I shot with this photographer, uh, Marissa Boucher in San Diego. And um, I had, the pictures were so pretty that I blew some of them up. I mean, like her work was amazing. And I, and it sounds crazy. I hung, I hung the ones that I loved on my wall. And those pictures helped me when I would look at it on the days that I wasn't feeling very pretty or very cute or, and had no self-esteem. I was like, I guess I kind of can be pretty. And I would look at those pictures. And so those kind of helped me rebuild my self-esteem. And then these random people, random photographers were like, hey, I want to shoot you. Like, I was like, maybe I'm kind of cute. Like, because <laughs> all I wanted to do was be cute at least one day, you know? Because I, like, had no self-esteem. My divorce, like, shattered me. Mm-hmm. But that's my whole No, I mean, it's definitely, it's empowering because as you mentioned, uh, you know, anytime anybody goes through a divorce, it's not always, you know, peaches and cream. And most times than not, it is, you know, a drawn out process where, you know, two people for whatever reason, no longer see eye to eye on things. And when you have two people that don't see eye to eye on things and you're trying to divvy up certain things, it can get a little messy and I can totally relate. You know, I mean, I've never been married and divorced, but I can relate where, you know, it could be very stressful. And you start to lose that confidence. So the fact that, you know, you were able to find that through, you know, spiritual belief and doing modeling work is is really cool. Um, And then, you know, just the whole doing the, you know, personal training thing. So, I mean, I'm assuming once, you know, you started to get attention from photographers and everything, start training and everything. And I know that can kind of help release a lot of that, uh, stress and you know bad vibes that you're feeling as well um so how did how did you get into that have you always been you seem like you've always been kind of like an active person your whole life am i right or wrong in that yeah you're right i was a tomboy i hung out with my little brother who's three years younger than me and i always hung out with him because they were always doing fun things like you know you know like when you used to put bricks under a piece of of wood and then you would use it as a ramp and jump like that was way before bmx (laughs) um stuff like that and we would just be doing crazy stuff and so i was always a tomboy and the girls never really liked me anyways so um i just hung out with boys and i was always active but um in high school i dated this guy who worked out a lot and so he taught me a few things but um again it wasn't my till my divorce that i got really into um training I decided um, one day, I was like, I need to change my environment. I, I need to change my scenery. And um, I got off the couch because I was so depressed. I was laying there sleeping all the time and crying, doing nothing but sleeping and crying. Um, and I was like, my kids deserve more than this. So one day I got dressed, uh, took them to school, and instead of going home, I went straight to the gym and I just got on the treadmill and I just started walking and praying and thinking about my life and like what's going on what's going to happen and um I'd be crying but I was hoping that people would think I was sweating so I had my towel and I like wiped my face (laughs) and um I said okay (laughs) in order to do something like I I need to figure out a goal I need to set something that I could work towards and so I decided I'm I'm going to pick something that I've never tried I know absolutely nothing about I don't know how to get there I don't know what to do And so I picked bodybuilding. It just, like, sounded like a good idea. And I knew nothing about bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. And so I just started training for it. And then um, this 
lady was training on a machine next to me, and I saw her, and she was, like, really buff, and I was like, you work out a lot, are you, like, a trainer, are you a bodybuilder, and she was a professional bodybuilder, and so she started training me for free, I mean, she literally would come to my house and pick me up at 3, 4 in the morning to take me to the gym, make me work out, and then, um, she brought me to the road of, uh, competing, so my goal was to compete, it wasn't to win, it was just to compete, and so, I competed, and then I was like, you know what, I'm always in the gym, I might as well get paid for it, so I went and got my certification, and because I was also a single mom, so I was like hustling, mm-hmm. and so I was like, okay, I need another job, and so that's how I got into personal training, and then next thing I know, I got picked as trainer of the month, and um, my before and after picture, and then helping different clients uh, just brought me more clients, which that's how I ended up in uh getting photographed for fitness, uh, all because I had one desire to hit a goal and change my life because I didn't like it the way it was anymore. Now, I mean, it goes on to say that, so, you know, you not only, you know, were you published in different publications for your, you know, your training and athletic work, but you're also a sponsor too. So, I mean, there's people out there that, I mean, it, it's got to feel good to one thing that, you know, see a transformation. I mean, it's like, Everybody wants to do a Transformation Tuesday photo, but when you're actually transforming and you're transforming and you, uh, people are wanting to sponsor this process is a pretty surreal feeling, I would think. Yeah, it was crazy. I was like, are you, are you sure you want to sponsor me? Like, I didn't get it. And so Prime Nutrition was my first sponsor. Um, and then Amanda Louise picked me up and sponsored me uh, with Swimsuit. And then I just kept getting different sponsors, and people would reach out to me and be like, hey, we want you to represent our brand. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, these people must be something I don't see. I don't know, but I'm just thankful that somebody saw me, you know, especially coming from a place where I felt nobody saw me. Mm-hmm. Now, so, what? So it was, it was an unbelievable feeling, I guess. Now, what, what compelled you to go ahead and write a book? You know, being, I mean, it's, I mean, so you've already sound like you have a plate full of stuff to do being a mother, which that too, I mean, how do you, how do you tackle that type of schedule where you're constantly working, you know, shooting photo shoots, you know, being a personal trainer, working out, talking to me, you know, factoring in all this stuff and also be able to, you know, give, uh, you know, time to your children.
I don't want my kids to be at home doing whatever they want, having whoever at my house, because I did not want them to end up, you know, with the stereotypical single mom kids, you know? Mm -hmm. So I decided to get my teaching certification and became um, a substitute teacher. So I would substitute um, during the day, and then I would, like, sometimes I would train at night, or I would train or work half a day training, half a day teaching, so that I could be on my kids' schedule and be available to go to their events and their stuff, you know, that they that they needed. And um, so while I was substituting, I would write my book. Like, while I was on lunch break or if the kids were, like, scheduled to watch a movie, th- during that hour I'd be writing or on a teacher, teacher uh, work period where they have, like, a free hour where they do whatever work they have to do. I would write then, and then sometimes I would be at the gym, and I would sit on the bike, and I would, my laptop, I'd have my laptop, and I would write, and then I'd come home at night, and my kids would go to bed, and I would sit on the couch and write, and um, it was just laid on my heart. It was crazy, because I was like, I don't know where this idea to write a book came from. I just I just felt like, I was like, God, if you want me to write this book, I'll write it, but you got to get it published, and you got to bring me the people, because I don't know how to become published. I don't, I don't know. I just know how to write. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was crazy because people were like coming up to me and saying stuff. And I never told anyone I wanted to be an author. People were just saying, Hey, I could see you doing my one friend. She was like, I could see you doing a Barnes and Noble book signing. I could see a cutout of you. I could, you know, like people just randomly like, you should be an author. And I'm like, what? Like the whole world, the whole universe was like, write a book. I just started writing it, and I didn't, like, go look for a publisher. Like, people just came to me, and then my book got published. And I ended up doing four or five books in the novels, which is so crazy, because my friend had said that to me um, just out of the blue. I was like, where, like, what are you smoking? <laughs> coming from? And so that's just, I just made time, you know, mm-hmm. to write. Now, I so, mean... Do- my life and the stories are like unbelievable. People are like, I just prayed. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, you just don't want to help me. You don't want me to be successful. And I'm like, no, that's literally what I did. And people just think I don't want to help them. Mm-hmm. But that's what I did. So let so. me ask, like, I mean, with okay. all the, the fitness stuff and, you know, the book writing and being a, a mother and a single parent and, and all that, what goals do you have still for you know, the modeling stuff? Is there still things like that you want to do or has it become more of like, you know, if it's an opportunity that just presents itself or do you, are you striving to do something with that? Um, no, like the last three, four years, Maxim had reached out to me. Like they text messaged me, they emailed me, everything. And they're like, we want you to compete for the cover. First it was for Maxim's Finest and then it was for the cover of Maxim. And so I did it and the first time for the cover, I think I took, I took second in my category and then eighth on the wild card internationally. And then the next one I took third, so I didn't even, like, get into the wild card. And uh, I think it was third. And so I really, really wanted Maxim. But uh, it's not, like, really if – it, if it happens again, it happens. I would like to land a cover of a magazine. Um, but I'm not going to, like, actively pursue it. If the opportunity comes, 
it was meant to be. If it wasn't, then that's not the path I was supposed to walk. But um, I do want to try to, I want to shoot some cosplay because I just think that's kind of cool. And um, the, who I see in my head um, is I want to do some shoots um, like that. So this photographer named Rob Cano, if you look at his Instagram, he does tactical. And um, he, he reached out to me. And, and like you just said, he, he went through my Instagram and, he, and then he messaged me and he's like, Oh my gosh, I need to talk to you. I need, I want to shoot with you. And then he's like, I need to call me. I need to call, I need to talk to you. <laughs> and so I was talking to him and then I'm like, uh, how much do you charge? He goes, no, I want to shoot you for free. And I, I just want to shoot you. And so I said, okay. So I've been training to shoot with him, which I'm really excited about shooting with him because there was another photographer I wanted to shoot with, but he was outrageously priced. And I was a single mom, and I was like, yeah, I can't afford that. So how I envision myself, I'm not shooting with you. And then this opportunity came to shoot with this amazing photographer. So I'm shooting with him in February in Arizona. Um, so right now it's just like if an opportunity presents itself and I like it, I'll shoot it. Um, otherwise, I'm just doing me i guess <laughs> now it's funny they I'm say not, like, it's funny you say you do you and everything so what's like a normal day in a life for you it's so funny because um people like will say hey what is your schedule I'm like i don't know my schedule changes day to day and i absolutely love it like that so depending on the day depends on what i'm doing like when you and i were talking about what time do you want to are you available i'm like uh, call me the day before or whatever because I don't I don't know my schedule. Like this week I was supposed to be off all week, but then they needed help and coverage, so I said, okay, I'll help you. And so all this week I'm working on a construction site as the medical uh, team. I am the medical team for this construction site of 500 people. And then um, I have a photographer uh, that had flown in from California, and he wanted to shoot. We, we talked on the phone, but he got sick, and the minute he landed, he went straight to urgent care from the airport, and he's been sick, so I'm waiting to find out what his schedule is. I got an invite to go to SHOT Show in Vegas for next week, but I haven't got the details yet, and it drives me crazy because it's like, I need to know, am I going, or I have other people that are asking me to do stuff, and I'm like juggling, and I, and I hate having people wait on me, you mm -hmm. know? Give me an answer, but my schedule is different every single day. Some days I, I'll be working out all day, or or I'll be volunteering with an organization, or I'll be working. I don't know. I just I do whatever I feel like doing that day. Some days I'm just lazy and want to just lay around and watch movies. <laughs> you know. <laughs> now, one of the other things that I mean. You, you note that you're a motivational speaker and you and me were talking and you're saying about how um, you love to give relationship advice. And uh, I said, I kind of I laughed at it. I said, you know, it's funny that the, the people that seem to give the best advice are the ones that are no, not in a current relationship. Um, so um, what what qualifies you if people were to ask to be the guru on relationships? Right, right. So I have a page that I don't let anybody know that I run, but it's a relationship page, and it has like over twelve thousand 
on it. But nobody knows it's mine. Um, because I, like, try to help, especially marriages, like, fight for your marriage. And so everything, when I got divorced, after I got back on my feet and I was figuring out who I was and stuff, I started looking back at my marriage going and taking responsibility and accountability before God and for myself. Like, I didn't go to my ex-husband and be like, I'm, I did probably apologize for a few things, but I didn't sit down and be like, you know, I'm sorry for this, 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 this. And so I started looking at the things that I didn't like and where I feel I fell short in my marriage. Because, you know, in a divorce, it's always two people. It takes two people. I wasn't perfect. I was a good wife, but I wasn't the perfect wife. And um, so I looked at those things and I looked at the things that I didn't like about me. And I worked on myself for two years, studying, seminars, reading, um, meditating, writing, just all kinds of things. And and accepting the things that I did wrong and trying to see how it, I could change it and to become a better person. So literally when I say I work hard on trying to be a better person every day, I do. And um, it was really hard for me um, because to look within yourself, it's, it's really hard to be like, oh, my gosh, it's kind of embarrassing. Even if nobody knows, just you. It's embarrassing. You feel guilt. You feel shame. You feel like, wow. You know, you're just like, I don't know if I like me. And so I had to figure out the things I didn't like and change it. And and I looked and I studied about everything that needed to be, like, communication. So now when I'm in a relationship, and it, it doesn't have to be a romantic, like, dating relationship, just with anybody. I, I straight out tell them, all I want from you is your trust, your loyalty, and communication. That's all. And your respect. But the respect, I think, just comes over time, you know, when you have your trust, your loyalty, and your communication. But communication to me was the thing that I had to work the hardest on and being able to, like, how how you say your words, watching your tone, watching your the words that you choose and stuff like that because everybody wants to be heard, everybody wants to be seen, and people want to be understood. And so, like, being able to acknowledge and, and then taking accountability for, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you, or I didn't mean to, like, that was not my heart's intention, you know, just stuff like that, acknowledging the other person and just showing them that they're valuable is what I like to teach, and and that all comes with communication, and then know, you know, like, okay, we shouldn't, we need to take a break right now and just breathe and then come back to this, but when I walk away, we have a time limit, okay, we're coming back together in an hour, or tomorrow we're going to talk. That way you don't feel like, okay, are, are we going to be talking? Are we, is this just, you know, when is this, where is the time, you know, that we can, I can vent my feelings and stuff like that. Mm. So, so I don't know. I, I guess that my experience um, and failures is what qualifies me. I mean, you've convinced me. I'm I not mean, real sure. I mean, you've convinced <laughs> I mean, you've either, you know, you, you've either convinced me or you're, you're a good bullshitter, you know. <laughs> But either way, you know, uh, what is one thing that I mean, you do this, this Instagram page or, you know, you have nobody knows that you're the, you know, the person that's running it. You're, you know, like this ghostwriter for it. But what are what is the most common question or concern people bring to you when they're like, I need advice on this aspect of my relationship? What's the one thing that you constantly hear or see a lot of? My husband or my wife doesn't, like, care about me anymore. So 
so there's this book called, I read a lot of books. There's this book called Love and Respect. Um, I can't think of the top of my head who the author is, but it was a husband-wife team. And, um, and then the book, uh, The Five Love Languages, that's an amazing book. And that book, I, I read that book three times. And it wasn't until the third time that I was like, oh, my gosh, I get it. So the way we love people, and then I tried to explain this to them. Like, like are, what do you like? Do you like people telling you, oh, good job? Or do you like hugs and kisses and sex and physical touches? Or do you like people giving you gifts? Like, what do you like? Mm-hmm. Is my question to you. To, to my question to me? I mean... I'm the type of, I mean, I just, I, I like praise, you know, I don't need all the hugging, kissing and gift stuff, you know, but I do like praise, you know, it does feel good to have that positive reinforcement, you know, to tell somebody that, you know, you think they're doing, you know, a great job at whatever they're doing, whether it be work or, you know, a, a life goal or, you know, their part in a relationship. So that's your love language. So your love language is the way that you love other people. So you like people to tell you, oh, good job, I'm proud of you, you know, that's great, you know, and so when you tell other people, oh, that's great, you know, I'm so proud of you, and that's not their love language, like, that's not my love language, I would be like, oh, thank you, but I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, I feel loved, because Mm -hmm. what we have to do is we have to pay attention, and so, like, say you and I were in a relationship, and I know that that's what you like, so whenever I get an opportunity I just like build you up and empower you with my words not with gifts because I know that will make you feel like she loves me she cares about me I feel safe you know but if you were to do that to me I'd be like well that's nice but that's not my love language so what but is your you love to language spend then? time with me minus acts of service and quality time which to me they kind okay. of both go together so like if you bought a gift for me, I would be like, oh, thanks. It could be, like, the biggest diamond in the world. And I'd probably be like, oh, thank you. I, I really like it. And I do really like it. But the thing I like the most about it is that you went out of your way. You took time out of your schedule. You thought of me. You put a lot of thought into it. That's what I like. And then you, and then how you presented it to me um, would, is what I would love the most about it. Because mine is, like, spend time with me and do things for me or with me, not necessarily like for me, like, like serve me, but be thoughtful. Mm. Those are my two love languages. And so I think that's why I'm really good in the medical field. And people are attracted to me because they know they feel loved or cared for because I always am like serving. I am always serving people and thinking about them and trying to be thoughtful so much to the point that I probably shouldn't do it as much as I do, but it's just my nature. You know, and, and especially in this day and age with this world so broken and so many people are needing and wanting because they're lacking. Um, that's I think that's why people are drawn to me because they that whatever they're missing, whether it's their mom didn't love them enough or their dad wasn't there or they just their spouse or friend or whatever isn't giving them attention. They like that I actually care enough about them to sit and listen to them and hear their story or whatever. And so when I do that, I pay very close attention to the way they move and the way they speak and the words that they choose so that I could try to figure out their love language. And if I don't, so that I could love them in their language, 
even, you know, and, and the word love isn't like, oh, romantic love. It's loving means like, I'm patient with you. I'm caring about you. I'm being thoughtful for you. I'm being kind to you. And so that's why I'm trying to, I want to love you in your language. And a lot of guys think I'm just crazy, like over, like in love with them and obsessed with them. And I'm like, no, I'm just trying to like love you in your love language just because you're another human, not because I'm, I'm so infatuated with you. I do that with everybody. And, and so I try to teach that in relationship and communication and how you speak and, and all these things. And I'm not in a relationship. (laughs) I was going to say, now, I mean, is okay. that is that by choice, or is it just, you know, because of work schedule, or what? It's, it's kind of by choice, but I think I'm also picky. And then I kind of like, when I when I start talking to someone, I always think long-term. Not necessarily like, oh, I'm going to marry this person, but I always think long-term. Am I going to? Because there's always that chance that this could be the person. So I pay attention to, like, the way they act or the way they speak or the way they talk to other people or the way they treat me. Or if I, if they, if I do something, how do they react to it, you know? And then if they don't measure up to my standard of what I want, I don't. I'm like, yeah, that's not the one. And I have yet to meet one. So my thing is with guys these days, and no offense, most of them are buttholes, and they don't know how to date, and they're selfish, and they're thoughtless, and I don't know. It's just, I, I just don't have time for that. It's like, everybody's like, uh, come hang out, let's hook up, and then that's it. And then they don't, like, talk, they don't want to talk to you after, they don't, they ghost you, and then they call you when they, they're, like, wanting something from you, but nobody wants to, like, take the time and get to know you and spend time with you and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't have time for that. I'm, I'm not sleeping around with people. I'm not, I like, you're wasting my time. You know, mm-hmm. I was talking to my friend um, about that the other day. And I was like, I don't understand why all these people are like sleeping around and stuff with, and you know, like on these apps, like Tinder and stuff. I'm like, you, you just hook up with someone randomly and you don't even know if it's going to be good. Like, why would you even waste your time? Like, if there's no guarantee that it's going to be good, like, I'd rather sit on the couch and eat ice cream and watch Netflix. Like, doing something that actually was enjoyable. I was going to say, at know? least you know that's going to be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I'm going to have yeah. any activity so, like, on you... a couch, it's going to be eating ice cream. You know. <laughs> I get it. Chocolate. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm like, dating thing it's like you get to know people and like with the whole sleeping thing too and I don't my thing is I'd rather be with someone who knows everything about me the way I move the way like if I were to make a sound they know what that means or whatever they know every curve of my body and it's like not just like hitting quit it because I was talking to my friend about this the other day and I was telling him I'm like why do guys like rush all the time? Like if you want to get to the goal, just get some conditioner in the bathroom, finish it yourself, like hit that goal. Like why do you need someone else to do that for you? And then after that, you have to pretend like you like them and you, and you don't even want to like cuddle with them and all girls want to cuddle. So I'm just like, I just don't, I'm like, it's just too much work for, for me. <laughs> I'm really picky about who I spend my time with and how I spend my time. And, and I'm not wasting it on some random person. 
just because I need something, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, you so also... That's, I think that in relationship well, you also factor in that, you know, you do have children. So, I mean, is that play into a factor when you're meeting guys as well? Like, are some guys as receptive to the fact that you have children or are they, you know, kind of pushed that away? My kids are grown. They don't even live with me. They all have my son's own family. My daughter's in college. My other daughter's about to get married. Like, I don't, I don't have any, I'm like, I'm free bird. I can do whatever I want, when I want, how I want, as long as I want. <laughs> So you don't have young children at home that so, play a factor into no. the process. No, my kids are grown. I have grandbabies. Oh wow! I didn't. I didn't want to put you out there on front street. You know, yeah, I didn't I, know you were a grandmother. How does that yeah, feel? Yeah, I'm a younger grandmother. But uh, my <laughs> friends, my friends tease me. They're like, "You're not a milf anymore. You're a gilf." And I'm like, "Y'all are stupid." <laughs> but it's kind of funny. Now, uh, we did field, I did field a couple questions from people. I told them that, you know, they hit me up and let me know what some questions they wanted to ask you. And a lot of people wanted to ask a lot about the fitness stuff. And um, one uh, person messaged me and wanted to know, like, what is a struggle point for you? Like, what is something that, I mean, everybody has their own hurdles and, you know, personal stuff that they, uh, you know, they try to overcome. What's something that, you know, is like a, a stumbling block for you when you're training that you have to put extra emphasis in? I don't always have the motivation, and sometimes I don't even have the discipline. So I have to, like, go back in my mind's eye and envision who I want to be, what I want to be. And and then having goals like, like, I know I have a shoot coming up, so I have a deadline that I have to be, like, how I want to be for this shoot. And so diet's hard um and i don't like calling it diets the way you eat like i love chocolate dark chocolate i like chocolate cake i like chocolate mousse i like anything chocolate so that's kind of hard for me but um the discipline and then also i get bored in the gym now so i'm always having to mix it up and try to figure out a new routine and stuff and i used to think kettlebells were stupid and then I started doing them, and now I'm, like, getting obsessed with them. And then I get bored, so I'll make, like, I'll make up different kettlebell routines. And, and then um, there's this one um, trainer on, uh, I think her name's Hannah D. Fitness. She's got, like, bright red hair. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll watch her stuff, and then I'll try to do her difficult moves. And then I'll just keep doing it until I master it. And then when I do, then I move on to something else, another kettlebell routine. But I like hit because... Hit is a mixture of everything. It's not like just cardio. It's not just weight, you know. And I love, love working out in the steam room or a sauna. Right now I'm in a sauna because I don't have a membership to a gym that has a steam room. Because I would be in the steam room all day. I love the steam room. All right. Now, what is someone else want to know? Like, what do you do? What do you do on your free time when, I mean, aside from, you know, training and eating chocolate? Um, which I feel like can be counterproductive, but <laughs> what is something that you enjoy doing? Like what is a hobby that you have or some kind of a secret trait that people would be really amazed that you're really good at? I'm not really good at it, but I'm, I'm, I've been trying to train for three gun competition. I love shooting. I got into it. My ex-husband was a Marine sniper. He's one, he was actually one of the top snipers in the Marine Corps. He was highly, he's highly decorated. And so we always had guns around the house and he had an arsenal. And um, I was always afraid of them. 
but he always says, like, you need a guard in the house, protect the house, whatever. Then when he left, Andy took all his guns. I was like, uh, now I'm the protector of the house. And I need to learn how, because that's what he taught me, like, about, you know, gun. a gun is necessary to protect your house. And um, so that's what I believed. And so I was like, I, I met different people, and I'm like, could you teach me? Because I didn't know what kind of gun I liked. I didn't, I'm really good at long range. I love shooting a sniper rifle. I love, I like, I like long range. I think because I always hit the target, and I don't know if that's because there's a scope on it that helps me, but I'm not really good with, um, like a pistol uh, or a handgun, and um, also I can't. I haven't found a gun that I I um, I can shoot well because I'm still trying to learn to shoot with both eyes open. I'm right hand dominant, but I shoot left with my left eye, and so I'm just now learning to shoot and get my sights up and be able to capture both sights as quickly as I can with both eyes. And part of the reason is like I now have to wear reading glasses for. Because I'm I, anything close to my eyes, I don't need a prescription. I just need like the Walmart reading glasses. So it, when my uh, weapon goes up in front of me, it my eyes are trying to adjust because I'm and I'm trying to get that gun as far away from my eyes because if it's up close, it's blurry and I can't get my sights lined up. So I, I go shooting a lot. I get a lot of invites to go shooting, which is amazing because the people that are inviting me are like people I want to shoot with. So um, his name is. On Instagram, his name is Gunshaw, but his name is Grant Shaw. He, uh, um, he's one of the owners of uh, The Range in Austin, and he owns SB Tactical. And he invited me down to shoot with him. That was fun. And uh, Kellner Snipercraft, I've been uh, shooting and training with him. And he's been teaching me, like, the basic, like, why, all the way down to why this bullet is called this, or why is this measurement, and why is this gun called this, and just, he's just teaching me all kinds of stuff. So, um, and there's one guy I really want to train with. His name's Michael A. Glover, and I'm like, I want to train with him. Um, so I'm, 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 I like, I go shooting a lot, and um, I go hiking. I like to hike because um, uh, in November I was supposed to hike to base camp of Everest, but I ended up in the Bahamas doing disaster relief work, so I didn't end up going there. So this year I'm going to go to, I'm going to hike Everest up to base camp so when I can I'll find a hill there's not a lot of hills here in Texas that are high enough for me to train for the altitude um so a couple times I went to Arizona and climbed with some friends some um, hills trying to get adapted to the altitude so I'll do that and uh the thing I'm gonna do soon because I've been wanting to do is uh go to an indoor skydiving because I don't I can't just go jump out of a plane every day you know it's kind of expensive mm -hmm. but I, I want to I haven't tried the indoor skydiving yet so I'll do that so it just depends if someone invites me to go do something that sounds fun crazy or scary I usually say yes and then if not I think about what I want to do and I'm like I'll be like sitting like I'll wake up and I'm like I think I'm gonna go skydive today or go do this and then I just go do it or I'll call someone hey can I come shoot with you you know mm -hmm. shooting I like to shoot a lot I'm not that good. I wanna, I wanna compete in three gun, and uh, that's my goal for shooting. And then I'm gonna build my own arsenal, cause I just think it's cool. 
<laughs> I I mean I'm I'm amazed at like how you have the time to do all of this stuff. I mean I I literally I feel like I live my life literally hour to hour. Like I literally have to stop myself at a certain point and say, okay, I'm done working on this now because I'll lose track of time or something. But I mean, geez, I yeah. we, we should. If it's something you love and passionate about, it's good that mm. you lose track of time. You know. Well, it's it's mostly work related stuff. I wish it was so much, <laughs> you know, passionate about being you know of something. But it's usually you know if I'm working on a task or I mean I guess it could be a passion too. You know, doing podcasting and you know trying to create a YouTube channel and you know maintain social media pages. And sometimes I I feel like I have to literally write it out and plan a schedule and say you know from this time to this time I'm working on this. At this time I have to stop. So I admire your time management because uh it seems like like i said you just you have so many different things going on and uh i guess i mean you may have kind of already answered a little bit of this question but something i like to always ask a guest on the show is where where do you see yourself in you know five years from now you know whether you know goal oriented or you know personal life like where where do you see yourself in five years um my nonprofit will be up and running I'll be traveling in the globe and speaking, um, and I'm hoping to have a third book, because I'm working on my second book right now, my third book published. And with the relationship thing, I mean, if I'm in a relationship, I'm in a relationship, but it's not something I'm, like, actively seeking, you know? Cause, and, and because I was married for so long, I have the luxury, I mean, every, actually everybody has the luxury, they just, some people just like to settle, I refuse to settle. And that's part of the reason I'm single, because I want what I want. I know what I want. And if I don't have it, I'd rather have nothing than have to deal with less than what I want. So um, I hope in five years I'm a professional shooter or, or at least an expert shooter. And, uh, and then I just want to get back into traveling and stuff and just figuring out. I'm hoping that I'm exactly where I want to be as I see myself in my head. So, like, with the bodybuilding, we'll go back to that. I was like, I'm going to be a bodybuilder. And then I became a bodybuilder. And so I said, check. Now what do I want to be? I want to be a personal trainer. Okay, check. Now what am I going to do? And every time it gets harder and harder, because I'm like, how am I going to top that? How am I going to become better? And I was like, okay, I'll be a published author. Okay, check. Um, I want to be a swimsuit model. Like, like whatever I want to do, I go after it. So I was competing. I was I was training because I wanted to be in the LFL, which the LFL, um, you and I had this conversation, is now dying out. Um, so I train. And I don't just like – I when I go and I want something, I go and I find the best people. And I if I have to – not necessarily beg them, like literally beg them, but I will beg them <laughs> to be like – Please spend time with me because I have to be the best. I need to go zero to hero. There's no zero to next level, next level. I need to get there. So when I was training for the LFL, I found um, retired NFL players. I found active NFL players. And I found um, coaches and trainers that train NFL players. And I would find different gyms. Like there was this gym in San Diego called EM Speed. Um, uh, Speed and I can't think of the name right now. Sorry, guys. But – uh. I went there because I was like, I need to learn how to run fast. I need to know how to move like a football player. Football is the hardest sport I have ever played. 
I had to learn to juke. I had to be able to learn to move on a dime, like change direction. I had to learn the proper way to run and how to run fast. And so I trained and I trained and I would drive three hours just to train for two hours and then drive home three more hours just to train um, with these trainers. And then I tried out for the LFL because I wanted to be a pro, pro professional football player, female football player. And then I got cut with Jerry Rice's daughter. And um, I was really upset with it, um, about it, but not, you know, I cried, I cried actually when I made the video for everybody to see. And a lot of people were following me to see if I was going to make it. And so many people, I was so thankful for them, were like, we want you to play football. We want you to play football. And, like, I had football, professional football players following me, watching me. And um, and and so when I, I, I didn't do that, but my goal was to become an athlete. So when a professional athlete called me an athlete, I remember he's like, look at you, athlete. I stopped him. I'm like, what did you just say? He called me an athlete. And then these trainers that train these professional athletes called me an athlete. I was like, okay, I'm an athlete. Check. Let's move on. What am I going to be now? And I would go on to the next thing, next thing. And, and so right now, my goal was to become a badass, like badass boss lady, how I see that in my head. And so I'm working, like, really hard, like, trying to get to how I see myself in my head. I don't like be like, Oh, I want to be like that person or, Oh, I want to be like that person. I be like how I want to, I see myself. And then I work towards it every day. How can I be that? How can I be that? And then, so my first goal was I'm going to be a bad, a badass. And then when guys started calling me guys that I respected and were like, man, he is a badass. They called me a badass. I was like, Oh, I think I'm a badass, but I haven't arrived in the, in, in the way I see myself yet. So I have this screensaver on my phone. And people are like, is that you? I'm like, nope, by the end of this year, it will be me. Because that's how I see myself in my head, you know, of what I want to be. And then I was thinking about this the other day because I was like, oh, shoot, once I arrive there, what's the next level? Like, what do I do next? I'm thinking I'm going after that Nobel Peace Prize or something. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, just, it's a mental game, really, with myself. And literally, like, brainwashing myself to the point where, um, and I write about this in my in my first book about your thoughts and your words and what you speak and and then you think about it and whatever you meditate on whether it be good or bad it sooner or later it's going to drop into your heart and then you become that and and I learned that from when I was rock bottom I believed I was worthless I believed I wasn't good enough I believed I wasn't pretty because all these people told me that and I believed their words instead of believing the words like. God tells me or the words that I believed about myself like I'm a good person even though some people are like you're such a bad person and I'm like I'm not a bad person like I don't do anything bad and and so when someone says something negative to me I will take their words and I'll evaluate them and go is there any truth to that because if there is something bad and truthful about what they're saying about me I will fix it and change it because I don't want to be whatever that negative words that they called me and if they're they're not I just cancel those words and I speak words over myself like if, if for example if someone were like you're so stupid like I'm not stupid I'm really smart so I canceled the words and I spoke that over myself you know and so um it was it's trying to master that mind game for myself is what I do and then I listen to different I listen to different podcasts I listen to different sermons I listen to different speakers 
and and if I find one that I really like, like especially if it's a speech or a sermon or whatever, I'll play it over and over and over and over. I'll, I'll play it in my car every time, you know, until I practically can repeat it. <laughs> um, so that those words become my land in my head. And so all the pictures that you see, I told myself, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to become this. And then I did. And and I, I don't know, it's just hard to explain, but that's just how my brain works. If I, if I want something, I'm going to go after it no matter what. I will do whatever I have to do as long as I'm not hurting someone else or cheating someone else out of something or whatever. Um, as long as I, I'm still a good person doing going after what I need to go after, you know. Mm-hmm. And my, I keep my character, my morals, and my standards up and my ethics. Um, I'll, 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 I'll go after it. So I'm I'm really excited for 2020 and some of the things that I I I don't want to put it out there. Sometimes I do put it out there because then I'm held account. Like everybody becomes my accountability partner, and that's that's what I did with bodybuilding. I'm like I'm going to compete, and then I had to compete because I said I was going to do it because I'm a person of my word. So sometimes I don't put it out there, but then I I have conversations with myself. Well, oh, like my my mind goes back and forth, especially if I'm like tired or whatever. Well, nobody knows that you want to do this. So if you don't do it and you don't reach it, then nobody's going to know you didn't fail. They don't know that you failed. But then I know I failed. So then I reevaluate my heart's intent. Why do I want to be this? Or why do I want to do this? Am I trying to impress someone? Or, or am I literally doing it because I want to do it for me? And um, so that's I, – I don't even remember what your question was. I think I answered it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you've answered it. Uh... <laughs> Perfectly well there. Um, the book is titled For Such a Time as This. Um, it's available, I can see it's on Amazon, paperback, you know, hardback, and as well as like on digital print. Um, when can people expect a, the new book to be out? I'm hoping it's this year. Um, and this one's called Obscure to Secure. And it talks about when I was rock bottom. And, um, and it talks about depression and it's going to have three parts to it. So my last book had three parts to it. It was my story. It was my story, how it lined up with the Bible. And then it was the path that I took and how how to get on that path with fitness. So I, I put a 30-day workout and a 30-day meal plan in there for people that are beginners or whatever to do that. And people are like, hey, can I train with you? I'm like, just buy the book. It's way cheaper than like paying me. Like, buy the book. Mm-hmm. And then you can read and highlight. So my, my next book is about suicide and depression and my battle with it um and the attempts that i i've uh had like in 2009 um i had um things going on in my marriage and i remember that 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 day i went and i kissed my kids um uh and i told them i loved them and they didn't know anything they just thought oh mom's just coming tell me i love them or she loves me and then um, i went in my room i locked the door my ex-husband was on the other side of the door on the couch watching, I don't know, football or something. And I went into his, one of his, I knew where his hand, his Glock was. And I, and it's always loaded. All his guns are always loaded. And I, and I knew, I knew how to like take the safety off. I knew, I knew that much. And then I put the gun to my head and I pulled the trigger and the, and the gun jammed. And in that moment, I was like, I can't, I'm such a failure. I can't even kill myself properly. Like, Whatever. And then in that moment, God literally spoke to me. Like, I could feel his breath. And he told me, because I had, I had come up in an abusive family. And um, 
so all that baggage kind of led into my marriage too, my self-esteem and all of it added up with all the things that happened within my marriage to send me rock bottom at my, after my divorce with no self-esteem and everything. And so um, in that moment, God was like, stop trying to kill yourself because I used to like try it with pills. And he said, all those times that you tried to kill yourself before you failed because you have not fulfilled the purpose for which I created you. So stop trying to kill yourself. And so from that moment on, I stopped trying to kill myself. I had no desire to. But when I would hit a low point again, the thoughts would come back. And I would have to speak out. No, I'm not doing that. God said, don't do that. Like, I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. And, and so the desire left, and the thoughts don't come anymore. I do still have to battle sometimes with depression, but they're just little uh, valleys. And I think it's because I live such an adrenaline driven life basically and I, I'm a goal I'm like a goal like goal 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 hit the goal hit the goal that on the days that I have to like my body wants to rest and I'm tired or I'm starting to get sick I feel like I'm not being productive I'm not doing something and I get depressed or I'm not talking to anybody or nobody's calling me or texting me but that's my own fault because I don't give out my phone number <laughs> like nobody has my phone number like you have to message me on messenger or dm me because you're not getting my phone number and um and so I have those moments. So that, that this book is going to talk about the things that I go through, the things that I went through, what it's like to be completely rock bottom, to be lonely, to think nobody cares about you, that you're not worth anything, that you're just like better off. The world is better off if I was dead because nobody didn't even notice that I was gone anyways. And um, so it talks about that, and it's going to talk about the aspects of the people that love you, um, whether you think they do or not, and if, if you were to disappear, you know, like, what's going to happen with them? And and so that's what I'm working on now. And it goes hand-in-hand hand with my uh, nonprofit that I'm starting with my friend, Seth Comito, um, our Hourglass Initiative. And the Hourglass Initiative is um, for people um, fighting um, with depression and suicide and stuff. And, and a lot of the organizations I work with do that, but they are mostly, like, veteran uh, focused or uh, first responder focused, which is great. But ours is, I want it on a global scale. I want it for the veterans, the first responders, the kid that's at school getting bullied, that single mom, or or even just a stay-at-home mom is like, is this really all there is to my life is like to take care of kids and clean the house and, and I don't even have my education or whatever, or the LGBTQ community that, you know, um, People are like, I can't believe, like, you support them or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? And, and you call yourself a Christian. And I'm going on a tangent right now because this is one of the things that drives me crazy is Christians. People call themselves a Christian, yet they sit there and bash people and say, they're going to hell because they're gay or whatever. No, they're not going to hell. The only reason you're going to go to hell is if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what you do. Everybody has their own thing that they're battling. They're, they do them. That's not my place to judge them. All I see them is as a person struggling, and, and no matter what they are, um, gay, single, black, white, Asian, poor, economically challenged, like whatever, they're still human, and they all have the same feelings and desires and, and wants, and they want to be liked and loved and cared about. Every, it's everybody's desire. So so our, our organization wants to... Like, just focus on those people and be like, look, you're worthy, and you have a purpose. And I don't know, maybe that's the purpose. God didn't let that bullet hit 
the temple, my right temple, and go through through the other side. It's so that I could help other people, because if they're dead, they can't fulfill their purpose for which they created. And everybody has a purpose within this earth, whether it be on a small scale or a big scale, whether it be like as a big brother mentor or as a friend. Like even if it's just for one single person on the earth, everybody has a purpose. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing I liked about when I was subbing was I would teach this to my students. I would always pick the class, and then I always started getting, the teachers would always ask me to uh, sub for the classes, were the kids that, um, people call them bad kids, I call them special kids, and nobody wanted the class, because um, these kids were rough. But I wanted that class, because I knew that these kids were in there, because somebody along their their journey told them that they were less than in some way, and that, that they fell short. And so I, I always would stand in front of the class, and I would wait for them to stop talking, because they would be like, why is this crazy lady just standing in front of us, staring at us? Like, I wouldn't say anything until they got quiet. And then I would be like, why are you guys in this class? And they would say, oh, we're stupid, or, like, for example, for math. We're not good at math, or, or even, like, reading. I can't, we can't read, or we can't spell, or whatever. And I would, I would I'd tell them, this is the level that you are. You will rise to my level. I will not, I will not go down to your level you're going to rise to my level because this is the level that you are you are smart you are capable you have a brain so that alone qualifies you just because you're not good at something doesn't mean you're less than it just means you're not good at it but you probably excel over here and if you excel over here there's someone that doesn't excel but that doesn't make you better than them and that doesn't make them better than you it just makes them more qualified or like better at ma- at that thing but it doesn't make them overall as a better as a better person because we're all equal some have more money some don't but that doesn't mean a millionaire is a better person than me and i'm not better than a person that has less than me you know and i'm not better than a person that has a million dollars or whatever so um that's what our organization is gonna focus on is just trying to help people and so um this year I'm, i'm working on my book i need to work on it a little bit more actually and um, and then I'm I want to I'm doing a conference somewhere, um, so that people can come, and not just hear me speak, but hear other people who have battled it. So like when I was in the Bahamas, God put this man on my path. He owns some shipping company, and um, we were talking, and then we were talking about my book, and we started talking about suicide, and he was wearing a bracelet, and he told me his son had killed himself, and so I. I'm going to reconnect with him when it comes time and I'm going to have him come speak so that he can share his story as a person who lost a loved one from suicide, you know, and be like, you know, I loved him and he, and he didn't know it, you know, or whatever. And so, um, that's, that's what my goal is, is to do that on a global scale, (laughs) traveling five years. Well, I mean, it sounds like a, a... A very interesting, packed five-year process, um, <laughs> but it's well thought out. You know, I wish I, I wish I could say the same for some of these politicians that are running for office that they had a thorough five-year plan. I'm just, you know, I, I, we'll work on four years, you know, first to get through the first four. Um, but I, I mean, it, you're, it sounds like you know you have so much stuff that you want to do and so much you want to give back to the universe from what you've been, you know, given opportunities um and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us 
and you know kind of let us know a little bit about yourself because unfortunately I, and we talked about this off air is that you know sometimes when people see things online they only see visuals and they don't get to hear the voice or the message that you're trying to put out you know into the universe um but the cool thing about social media is it does allow people to interact with you um so let everybody know where they can find you or connect to you um through you know social media or online presences um facebook instagram twitter linkedin on every social media aspect i mean i'm youtube but um i don't really have that much stuff up because that's a lot of work and that's one thing i would like to focus on is youtube um but i just don't have the time and so right now it's not really a priority because i've got other things prioritizing is part of my key to getting things done but um I really, really appreciate you um, asking me to be on because, like you, like you said, people see me a certain way or they think I'm a certain way, but I'm like a real nerd. I'm a nerd, and I'm really nice. I'm a really nice person, and I get judged. I'm a really by nice so many nerd, people, especially by women. <laughs> I, mean, I think most nerds are pretty nice, I guess. Well, there's some I know that are pretty stuck up, but whatever. Um, but I get judged a lot, even especially like by women and stuff, because they they say things or people will be like, oh, you're a Christian and I can't believe you pose like that. And, and I get a hard time because of my body and it took me a long time to accept my body. So I appreciate you like giving me the opportunity to share a little bit of my story um, with others. Cause my goal for women is I want to empower other women. Like I, I think you can be sexy and be a Christian and you can be sexy and be a mom and, and sexy isn't about sex. Sex is about, how you carry yourself and the way you speak and the words you choose and the confidence that you come. And the moments that I'm not confident, nobody will know it because I will fake it until I am confident. <laughs> and, fake and, and it till you make it. Sound like I'm fake, but all right. <laughs> but and, and and I don't think that makes me fake. It just makes me I'm practicing. I'm practicing my confidence in that moment, you know. Mm-hmm. But um but I usually I'm, I'm pretty open, so I'd be like, yeah, I'm really nervous right now or I'm really like I'm, I'm not feeling at adequate or mm. whatever because I've come to a place where I can actually like speak what I feel. And, but the, my biggest thing, and I, and I want everybody to know that it's not just about me, but I hope that they embrace this is it doesn't matter what people think about it. I, it. It does to an extent, but to me, if you don't pay my bills, I don't really care what you think. Like if you're not paying my bills, you're not feeding me, you're not putting a roof over my head, which I can do all that myself. But, uh, um, I don't care what you think. And the people that I respect that are in my inner circle or people that I look up to, I will ask for their advice and I will think about it and they'll say, I think you should do this and I won't do it. If I don't want to do it, I'm not going to do it, but I will take bits and pieces and I will evaluate it and and think about it and stuff like that. Um, So I, I just want people to be like, get to a point in your life where you don't care what other people think and be like, just do you as long as you don't hurt other people. So, um, well, it sounds like you got a game plan, you know, which is, is a lot more than what some people have. And hopefully the people can take away from this conversation is, uh, exactly what you just said is to, you know, start to work on yourself and allow everything else to kind of fall in place. I mean, I know it sounds as simple as that, but it really is when you start focusing mostly on yourself and your own self being and understanding yourself and, you know, having, you know, your relationship with God or, you know, whatever spiritual beliefs or whatever, you know, that helps motivate you to get you from, you know, like you said, from that 
you know zero to hero status um and i think it's really cool that you're able to spread that message and we you know really appreciate you taking the time to kind of uh like I said, motivate some people, you know, hopefully if, if, you know, when people are listening to this, if one person walks away from this and, you know, feels uh, motivated to, you know, do something else with their lives or, you know, to, you know, change something for the better, you know, then I feel like you've served your purpose. Thank you. Not a problem. I, I'm so honored to even get to speak with you. Not you a problem. You have an amazing voice in case no one's ever told you. Well, like, well, nice voice, really nice voice. Well, that's because you've already figured out my love language. So you already know that you didn't need to give me a gift. You just need to praise me and tell me that I'm good at something. So I, I see how you've already used that process in this in this conversation, and I appreciate that. <laughs> well, no, it's true, though, because I never speak things that I don't honestly believe. And real quick, real fast story. So mm-hmm. there will be people with these babies, and everyone around the baby will be, this is how truthful I am. They'll be like, that baby's so cute. That's that baby's so cute. And I'm not like, you all are a bunch of liars. That baby's not cute. But I will find something positive. <laughs> and this is just an example of a, the baby. Oh, my gosh, your baby has a lot of hair. Or, that baby's precious because every baby is precious. Or, wow, look at them thighs or something. I will find something positive. But if I don't think that somebody is cute or I don't tell them that. So you do have a good voice. And that's really what I think. And Thankfully, it is part of your love language, so I hope you feel loved. <laughs> <laughs> I do, and we appreciate you again coming on, and we hope to hear and see and, uh, you know, read more of your books and just, uh, you know, much blessed success to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been fun talking with you. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll take care, and uh, we'll hear from you soon. This is Alicia Rigg, and you're listening to Mixed Master B on MMB Radio. <laughs>